Welcome to Resilience Unraveled. Hi everybody and welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a podcast that examines all aspects of personal and organisational resilience. A huge all-encompassing subject that covers the ability to thrive in life by harnessing your cognitive, emotional, physiological and contextual abilities. I share stories from people who have thrived despite remarkable obstacles, as well as highly successful practitioners and experts across a range of topics. And this podcast introduces their amazing stories and expertise, as well as my own reflections, perspectives, strategies and tips, which come from my own synthesis of themes and trends from wider learning. You can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and eBooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Unraveled. So, let's get started. Enjoy the show. Hey, and welcome back to Resilience Unraveled. And today we're going to talk about a subject which affects so many people, uh, probably the vast majority of the people in the world and the vast majority of people who think about resilience at some stage want to talk about anxiety. Um, the vast majority of people who confuse emotional conditions don't realise that the roots are anxiety. A lot of people who um, describe things like cascading thoughts or ruminations or not being able to sleep are often experiencing the symptoms of anxiety. And uh, anxiety is one of the modern sort of forms of um health issues, mental health issues, which I think are spreading like wildfire, partly because, of course, um, we know more about it. And the key, of course, is to have some understanding of what it is, how it works, and crucially, what you can do about it, and maybe some resources to help. And so today, I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. David H. Rosmarin, who I'm very reliably informed is Canadian. So we're all going to stand up now and salute at the site of the Maple Leaf and the Moose Van, and good afternoon, David, how are you? I'm great. Thank you very much for having me on your show. That's good. It's a delight to meet you. And uh, but you're not in Canada today, are you? You're, you've sort of you've s- sort of slid southwards somewhat over the border. Yes, I've uh, now live in the United States, but Boston is the most European city in the country, and uh, I'm very happy to call it home. It is beautiful, isn't it? It's one beautiful. of those places. Yeah, uh, and it's sort of an, a peculiar blend of British or. European, as you would say, and, and and the least excess, the fewest excesses of American culture. So actually, there's a beautiful sort of unique feel to the place, I always think. Fully agree. Very happy good. to be here. I'm not going to talk about the food. So that's good. Well, look, tell us a little bit about you and what it is that you do. Sure. I wear a couple of hats. So uh, as an academician, I work at the Harvard Medical School, and I've done research here uh, in clinical psychology for about a decade, a little longer than that, actually. And I also run um, a uh, private practice, a large private practice called Center for Anxiety, which has offices both here in Boston, Cambridge, as well as in the New York area, and now in uh, Princeton, New Jersey as well. Seven offices and see about a thousand patients at every given time presenting with anxiety and all sorts of other concerns as well. Mm. So we, we, we're going to talk about anxiety. So shall we get started off by just hearing your definition of what anxiety is, because I think a lot of people confuse what it is. Yes. Um, anxiety is uh, certainly on a lot of people's minds today, and uh, it does require some precision in, in defining it. 
Um, we all know what a fear response is. Fear is when you have an actual threat that comes at you. Could be where you're, uh, you know, you're on the tube in London and doors are closing. And ah, what do I do? You know, how do I how do I handle that? Or, or, or a ubiquitous bus. You know, your your American tourist steps off and looks the wrong way on the street, and a, and a, and a bus is careening towards him. Ah, you know, that's an a present fear. That's a fear that we have, and we have all these physiological responses which are helpful to get us out. It's a fight or flight response, right? With adrenaline pumps into your system and helps mobilize us. Now, anxiety is the same exact circuit. It's the same symptoms, but it occurs when it's out of the blue. You don't really need to have that response. So that's interesting because I've often heard anxiety described as fear of the unknown or fear of the future. So it's that it's almost like a priming sort of um, response. So it's exactly the same response as you'd say with fear, but it's it's sort of more linked to that um, fear is a sort of visceral response to what you can see in front of you and anxiety more a sort of primed response of what the hell might happen. Correct. If the danger is right in front of you, that would be fear. If the danger is not there, it's something in your mind and it yeah. might occur. That's true, but it's in the future. As you put it, that would, that would definitely be anxiety. And, it, and it's, it's a primal response. It's really handy because, I mean, if you think about the um, the neurochemistry of this, if you were walking through the savannas 200,000, 100,000 years ago as a hominid and you met the, you know, the proverbial saber-toothed tiger, which didn't yes. really exist in those times, I'm certainly not in that place. But if you're walking through a savanna and you hear a crack or a noise, it's that primary mechanism where the body's um systems begin to run but not fully formed so you are ready to actually begin to really activate the fear responses so it's a and this is people don't seem to understand this it's a completely natural response it's actually very very useful for you but the the, the extent to which we generate it is out of kilter to the to the need these days is this that fair a uh, very fair um, I would actually go a step further though uh, mm. which is that even to say that the anxiety response, which is not warranted or always needed. That's also an adaptive, healthy, potentially healthy thing. And if yeah. we learn how to harness it the correct way, that can actually propel us towards um, thriving in our lives. Often people think of anxiety as negative and fear as positive, you know, but it's, uh, to me, I think we, anxiety is a bad rap today. Yeah. And uh, people people are often very afraid when they get anxious, thinking that something's definitely wrong, when in fact, even anxiety, which is not fully warranted and it is in the future, can be very much a positive thing if we have the right tools and skills. To it's, interesting. To... it's interesting. It's interesting because one of the sort of um, narratives around anxiety is that actually you should deal with it. So it's, it's really useful. It's very handy because actually it's the same physiological response as anticipation or right. you know, pleasure, pleasurable anticipation because actually the body's performing exactly the same way. What what changes the perspective of it is the sort of prevailing thought method. Is is that something you see as being a useful way, useful thought? Um, it's an interesting perspective on it. You know, I'd, I'd have to think more about that. Um, to, to me, you know, anxiety has a number of, positive characteristics. Um, I was thinking about this recently. If, if you're in the gym and you're working out mm. and you're lifting weights and it's not painful, it's not uncomfortable, it's probably not a sign that you're pushing yourself to the point that you're going to end up with 
bigger muscles with uh, with getting strength. You know, I'm a distance runner, and I know that at a certain point along in a long distance run, it's going to be very uncomfortable. And if it's yeah. not, that means I'm not. Pardon the double negative. I'm not really pushing my cardiovascular system to the next level that it needs to be at. Anxiety is a similar thing. When we're overwhelmed, when we're you know overwhelmed by stress, when we are feeling uncomfortable, uh, that in some ways, if we understand it this way and deal with it this way, can be a strengthening of our emotional system um, as opposed to a sign of weakness. Yes. So that's sort of the way I would frame it. Um, yes. that's, and that's interesting, isn't it? Because I think cognitively it's there's there's again there's a move to this idea of defining ourselves as being anxious rather than saying that we're experiencing the effects of anxiety it's a bit like the obesity argument and i think that's quite interesting because that plays to what you're saying which is given the right circumstances it's a useful physiological reaction to things because actually that anxiety that do it during a you know during a run can stimulate adrenaline stimulate a performance curve by saying to yourself oh my god what happens if i don't so that will stimulate another response, won't it? So you can use the you can use the um, the narrative to actually drive a physiological response. But I, I like what you're saying about anxiety, which is that people have given it a bad rap. But like stress, you know, it's the same argument, isn't it? It's become victim of semantic degradation, and actually, it, it's a word that means nothing these days, isn't it? I love that semantic de- degradation. Um, I would even go further and say it's pathologic pathologic pathologizing we have pathologized anxiety and turned it into a disease as opposed to recognizing that in many cases it is a normal healthy human emotion which is a sign that we are pushing beyond our limits in a positive way and in a a manner that our bodies can and will adapt to if we stay the course and if we use the right skills and tools to be able to manage it so are you so suggesting there that there's a toolkit that runs alongside the response, which actually, if you flex that muscle, use that toolkit enough, you can get a bigger return from anxiety or you're more able to deal with the negative effects of it? What, or, or both, I suppose. It really both. And certainly if a, per- a person does need those skills and tools, though, if, if we simply have the anxiety all yeah. the time and we're always white knuckling it, mm. constantly uncomfortable, we don't know how to convert it into something positive in our, in our lives, it might it might not uh, lead yeah. to thriving. Um, we do need to have uh, certain guidelines. Yeah. So let's unpack a couple of tools, if we would. What what would be a useful place to start in terms of, sure. you know, that, that place? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a couple of them. Um, uh, one of them is, um, well, the root of anxiety is, un- is an intolerance of uncertainty. Yeah. I, I don't, If I can't tolerate not knowing what's going to happen next, the future is unknown and I'm going to feel anxious. That's as you put it before. It's about that apprehension about the future. However, if I can increase my tolerance of uncertainty and actually say, hey, I don't know what's going to happen next. And that's okay. I'm just a human being. I don't need to know. You know, my ancestors never knew. My kid, you know, next generation, they're not going to fully know what's going to happen next. Part of my humanity is that I am not always in the know, not always in control. Then anxiety actually can become this this tool is, you know, using anxiety as a way of actually increasing our tolerance of uncertainty Mm. and our tolerance of being out of control. That can breed resilience in tremendous ways. 
So you're almost advocating like a, a fate-based approach. Fate, not faith. Well, um, I don't know about, you know, uh, I don't mean... But being able to that. accept the fact that, being able to accept the fact that things happen. Correct. Is a fate-based approach, isn't it? Because actually stuff happens because it stuff happens. And it doesn't have to happen because I've been bad or I've done something wrong or I'm trying to control those things I can't actually physically control ever. You know, that's part of it, isn't it? Well, you know, fate is a very theological word, and I don't know if I Maybe. would go quite there. But what I would say is that human beings are a lot more limited in our knowledge and our control than we acknowledge day to day. But when we do acknowledge and go there, allow ourselves to accept the limits of our humanity, there's something very, there's a strength that happens, an inner strength can come out of that. Um, and anxiety can be a catalyst for that. Yeah. Okay, so we've got increasing our to tolerance, and you've sort of given us a bit of a script to actually help us deal with that. So I like that. It makes a lot of sense. Um, what else might be a useful thing to pack into sure. our toolboxes? Another one is this. You know, the, the first tendency when people feel anxious or stressed is to try to reduce their feelings of apprehension. Right. right? We run out of the situation, we cool ourselves down with a cold drink, we run into the air conditioning, we uh, deep breathe in order to try to cool ourselves down and you know reduce the, the flow of adrenaline. All of those typically make things worse because what we're really doing is teaching our bodies, you can't handle the stress, you can't handle the anxiety, this is bad for you. Mm. So a, 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 uh, an opposite, a positive opposite tool is actually to run towards anxiety, to do one thing every day that makes you feel uncomfortably anxious. Right. Interesting. Can you give me some examples? Sure. What makes you anxious? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, whatever that is, you know, don't take it up to a 10 out of 10. But maybe a seven out of ten, six out of ten, you know, if you're afraid of whether it's spiders or heights or flying or swimming or or maybe you're worried about the future, go there in your mind. What are you really worried about as opposed to keeping with shallow thoughts? Yeah. Um, and sort of gradually increase the amount of anxiety that you allow yourself to experience on a day-to-day -day basis. It's like a flipping technique. Uh, well, flooding would get to 10 out of 10 on the first okay. right away. Yeah. So we want to gradually build up to it. Something, but we would do, would call it exposure therapy, which is I think yeah. what you're trying to reference. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I'm just thinking about what I, f I fancy exposing myself to tomorrow. But maybe I should rephrase that sentence because that's uh, it's not the best way of expressing it. But I think that's quite an interesting technique. So basically what you're saying is let's lean into the anxiety and let's... Correct. Yeah, that, that's fine. so. So, so it's interesting, isn't it? Because we've we have a we have a world where we are fear, afraid of fear itself, haven't we? And so we're anxious about anxiety. So that's quite that's quite a, that's quite a liberating way of thinking about that. I I agree. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. And so I know you've written a book uh, about anxiety, and and like you said earlier, it's about thriving with anxiety. Who's who's the book written for? Would you say, David? That's a good question. Um, it, whenever I tell people that I specialize in anxiety, they immediately have lots of questions. So it's for all of those, all of those people. It's for really, uh, you know, not only individuals who are struggling with anxiety, but also people who have loved ones who are struggling with anxiety. 
people who have ever had anxiety in the past, people who want to, uh, who are in employment and want to understand how to help their anxious employees thrive more. Um, this could be a resource to them with some practical skills and tools to be able to talk with employees about it and maybe even um, you know help uh, organizations to uh, to move things forward, mental health awareness and and such. So I think it's a pretty broad audience. Interesting. And um, when's it going to be launched? Yes. Uh, title is Thriving with Anxiety, Nine Tools to Make Your Anxiety Work for You. And launch date is October 17th. 2023 coming up good making me anxious thinking about it hey well lean into that anxiety and get started on the next one (laughs) now it's interesting looking at your profile because one of the things that caught my eye is this phrase he is an international expert on spirituality and mental health yes so i wonder if you could unpack that a little bit for us sure so i mentioned my research here at the harvard medical Mm -hmm. school the last 10 years the focus of that has been spirituality and mental health and it's a topic that in uh, in psychiatry, people don't usually talk about very much at all. And uh, there's a disparity between how researchers and clinicians approach the subject, which is by avoiding it, and by and patients. The statistical majority of patients, even here in, in Eastern Massachusetts, which is one of the least religious enclaves of the entire country, and internationally, this is the case as well, more than 50% of our patients have spiritual beliefs that are relevant to their treatment and want they want to discuss this. So this is often a, a theme that um, is important for mental health, but gets ignored. Um, in, um, so in to, to just, to, just to jump in for one second, just to clarify this. So by spirituality, are you talking about organized religion? Or are you talking about spirit, be, a wider thing be. than that? Yeah, spirituality is a broader term than just religion. Mm. I think, you know, many, it's a way of relating to anything which is we perceive to be greater than ourselves. And uh, for many people, that's religion. Uh, in the United States, it's the majority of people. In Europe, it's not the majority of people. It's the, it's uh, the statistical minority. But nevertheless, this idea of relating to something which is greater, whether it's values, uh, what we um, what we are really aiming for in life, having meaning, greater meaning, greater, greater purpose. Um, and uh, yeah, so I've been studying that for, for a little while. And what are your conclusions? Well, um, Several, you know, that spirituality is a, a powerful force in uh, shaping people's uh, mental health, both in positive and in negative ways. And uh, it can, um, people have struggles in this area, it can be relevant to their depression or anxiety or even more severe uh, disorders. Um, and it can also be a very important resource that is often untapped in the process of uh, psychiatric treatment. There is, there is something about the choice to believe, which is part of the process of teaching people or helping people understand cognitive choices, isn't that? I would certainly agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I work a lot in Africa where the religious, um, uh, the specifically religious thing is broader than one religion, but there are many, many religions that have a wider focus on spirituality as well, even through to the, the idea of the social good being spiritual as well as actual non-corporal things and and this idea as you say of being doing something that's wider than ourselves is is that sense of meaning which i think a lot of us as world have lost in a world where we're focused on material things or this idea of you know complete individualism and and i wonder to which to to the end i wonder to what effect the fact that we've gone to this idea of individualism so quickly has actually been part of 
building anxiety because we've, we've almost not figured out how to replace what we lost with a new thing to find. I, I 100% agree with you. I would even go one step further. When a person's on a mission or has a certain value that they're pursuing, they have a vision for themselves and it has some sort of greater meaning. If they feel anxious and uncomfortable along the way, it's actually not that bad. This yeah. is sort of what I signed up for. Like I, I signed up for a challenge. It has cosmic meaning or whatever language, you know, for some people they would say religious meaning or divine meaning or yeah. whatever language sort of meaning important meaning it's important to me i know that this is going to be hard along the way and if i'm feeling panicky or uncomfortable or you know my vaso you know vagal system is kicking into gear then that's probably a sign i'm on the right path not a sign that something's off and i agree with you i think our tendency to not pursue higher order values and purpose in our lives and simply to be more material individualistic as you put it has actually made us more susceptible to anxiety because at the end of the day, if it's all about me and how I feel, then if I don't feel good, something's wrong. Yeah. Um, and there's something and about um, brain health, which is about the innate human need to cluster together, gang together, work together, collaborate, build tools. There's something, you know, there's something there, isn't there? This, this sense of community. And, um, you know, one of the best things for brain health is actually to communicate with other people. And it's actually a major form of, dropping anxiety isn't it so is to socialize and actualize and discuss and verbalize your inner fears i mean it's the, it's the basis of counseling and i suppose very much so and uh often people ha sort of have a sense in the feeling that they have to show that they're not anxious mm -hmm. and show that they're that they're not uncomfortable um which is uh not adaptive and healthy for building close relationships brilliant okay, okay. people i'm who i have in my life i've told them exactly how I feel and been extremely vulnerable with them and experienced that anxiety. It's been very good for bridging connection. Yeah. But there was something actually quite exciting about feeling the, you know, the, the body stressing itself, coursing through you, heating up, you can feel the pressure and the tension building up on you and you're, you're aware. I mean, it's a visceral react. It's a visceral thing showing you're alive at one, you know, at one level and then of course the cognitive process is about well actually how do i use all this power all this energy inside of me and i think people don't understand the there is a way to fix to take to take that visceral reaction and turn it into action because that's the point of it in the first place isn't it emotion means e motion and people seem oh, to forget that. that bit that's great well it sounds like you're thriving with anxiety quite a bit well we're, we're both in that world so it would be scary if we weren't i suppose so <laughs> Yeah. Okay, then. Right, then. So basically, where can people find out more about your work? Where can they find the book? How can they touch base with you? Yeah, people can definitely get in touch through my website, which is dhrossmarin, uh, my last name, .com. And uh, there's a book page on the website. Uh, the book is uh, available for pre-order now, anywhere that books are sold. And um, very happy to, to connect with people about this. LinkedIn as well. Are you on? Are you on all the socials? Oh yeah, my. Uh, you know, that that's been an adjustment and actually quite anxiety provoking for me personally. Let me tell you, because uh, you know when this book uh, doing the trade nonfiction was not something I was ever trained for, um, and uh, you know when I started talking to the publisher, like, well, you know, you're going to have to do this, and okay, we're we're going to sit with our anxiety and and get out there. So yes, you can find me on all the platforms. Um, 
Somewhat to my chagrin. I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to seeing you dancing on TikTok. That's all I'm okay. saying. That's a new yeah. anxiety for you to face tomorrow. You and I could do it together. How about that? You're Virtually. Making, you're making me viscerally, viscerally uncomfortable. <laughs> Maybe that's my anxiety, not yours. Let's do TikTok. Yay. Not okay. Well, look, it's been an absolute joy to talk to you today. So again, website DH Rosmarin, R O S Marin M A R I N, and the book is Thriving with Anxiety. And, and will be all over, all over, all over the internet in weeks and months to come. So brilliant. Well, thanks for spending time with us today, David. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. What a pleasure. Been a joy. You take care. Hi, everybody. I hope you found that episode useful and interesting. Feedback is always welcomed. And if you're in the mood to subscribe to us or even leave a comment on iTunes or Stitcher, that would be amazing. If you want to suggest ideas or even people you would like me to interview, then reach out to us at qedod.com forward slash contact. As I said earlier, you can go to qedod.com forward slash podcast for show notes or follow the links. And you can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Unraveled. I look forward to being in your ear next time around. Take care.